breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. It is an honor to be with all of you. Thank you for coming back. If you're back, if you're new, I hope you're looking for a voice of reform, a voice that uh, addresses the issues that uh, might not be on the front burner of mainstream media, but probably should be, because I think the greatest threat to peace, harmony, and democracy is Islamic theocracy. And this is because a quarter of the world's population is Muslim and because most of the Muslim countries are dictatorships run by thugs, run by monarchs and dictators and especially theocrats, many of them uh, influenced, inspired by Sharia supremacism. I want to do today, step back a second, miss so many people and I have to re-educate and educate and re-educate about care. And CARE is one of the Islamist organizations, the Council on American-Islamic Relations. And uh, they uh, get much more prominence than they deserve, but also they're the bullies. They are somewhat of the pit bull of the Islamic organization. So the others feign dissociation. They feign sort of, oh, they're we're not like the CARE guys. And yet there's no protestation. They sort of let them be the pit bulls, the ones that are all about civil rights. And the left is all too willing to take on their mantra that they're all about protecting Muslim rights when in fact they are a shell game. They are a deception operation that puts America on the defense. And I want to today provide a primer. A primer. How do do we pronounce that? Primer or primer? A primer on the Council on American-Islamic Relations. And it is relevant because, again, every week we have some odd story. I'm going to tell you a few of them again just so that you have them all in this podcast, sort of the more salient ones, if you will. But in Connecticut, CARE Connecticut, all of a sudden has decided that they want an owner of a minor league franchise to satisfy an ultimatum. They want him either to resign from his chairman of the board position at the Center for Security Policy or they will exert political pressure on him that will cost him. This is not only bullying, these are threats, blackmail. And you see the Democratic Party officials in Connecticut paying heed to this. As John Rosamondo reported with the IPT, the investigative project on terrorism, he said, Some Connecticut Democratic Party officials want the owner of a local minor league baseball team, the Connecticut Tigers, to meet with the Connecticut chapter of CARE. E. Miles Prentice, also the chairman of the board of the Washington, D.C.-based Center for Security Policy, founded by former Reagan Defense Department official Frank Gaffney, quote, while while Mr. Prentice is allowed to have his own political opinions, it is clear that the Center for, Center for Security Policy supports, and this is coming from the Democratic officials, supports anti-Muslim rhetoric, something that risks the safety and security of many, especially today. We encourage Mr. Prentice and CARE to attempt to work toward better understanding between them. 
Connecticut State Senator Kathy Osten, State Reps Emmett Riley, and Kevin Ryan said in a statement reported by the Norwich Bulletin. CARE Connecticut Executive Director Tarek Awadi demanded a meeting with Connecticut Tigers after an August 1 Norwich Bulletin report on Prentice's CSP connection. They funded all sorts of anti-Muslim bigotry. CARE spokesman Ibrahim Hooper told the Norwich Bulletin, The meeting isn't going to happen, Prentice said. He said, my colleagues and I at the CSP are more than willing to debate the content of our research and advocacy on behalf of freedom and the practice of peace through strength with Americans of differing views, but who are also committed to freedom in our Constitution. We see no utility, however, to meeting with or otherwise legitimating those who seek to silence us or are associated with terrorist organizations like Hamas. Instead, he is willing to meet with various faith communities to affirm my personal commitment to welcoming and serving all of our fans, irrespective of religious beliefs, if any, as we have always, always done. The kinetic politicians ignored information in the public regarding care, and I'm going to talk to you about that in a second. And we'll go into some of that. Awad said, I'm in... Uh, the things he said related to this, he said Prentice should not have any connection with CSP, Norwich Democratic Committee member Tracy Berto told the bulletin. The Connecticut Tigers lease a city-owned stadium and are negotiating a 10-year lease extension. Berto Awadi and other people attended last week's meeting of the Norwich Baseball Stadium Authority to voice their concerns about Prentice's CSP ties. I really think his being a part of an anti-Muslim Hate group is completely inappropriate. And this, you know, this labeling, I didn't, I didn't even want to say it because it's absurd to even give it oxygen. It is absurd. I might disagree. Many Muslims may disagree with some of uh, the information that is put out by various think tanks. But disagreeing with them and them being about the prevalence, the penetration, the the, the severity and security threat of jihadists and their ideology and Islamism, that ideology does not make them a, that exposure, that focus does not make them a hate group. This is not the first time, Rasamando continues, that CSP has been in the crosshairs of Connecticut Democrats. Senator Richard Blumenthal lambasted former Attorney General Jeff Sessions for his CSP ties in March 2017. Confirmation hearing. But yet, Blumenthal had a close relationship with former CARE Connecticut board member E.D. Monjiduadi, who reposted a pro-Qatar video of Sheikh Abdul Mujahid al-Zindani on his Facebook. Zindani appears on a UN list as a specially designated terrorist. Treasury Department describes Zindani as someone who provides religious guidance and support of al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula operations goes on. So the point here, and this is one example, CARE does this every day across the country. It threatens people's connections to the community. It will threaten the Connecticut Tigers' tenure business operations, demanding that they meet. And what does a meeting do? It'll demand that they then corner and find some spliced soundbite in order to use it further 
to bludgeon innocent Americans with in, in the media with repeated fabrications about their personal positions when in fact they're simply patriots trying to keep our country safe. So I'm going to use this as a stepping off point for this podcast today to be a primer. So let's talk about this primer. What is CARE? Council on American Islamic Relations. First of all, look at its name. The founders, till today, every Muslim that uses the name CARE thinks it's appropriate to talk about America and Islam as having relations. Really? Two different entities having relations. They're not Americans that happen to be Muslim. They're not talking about being both American and Muslim. They talk about it as being two different entities that require some type of cooperation. Why? Because they're separatists. That's Islamism, ladies and gentlemen. As the son of Syrian immigrants who escaped persecution in Syria in the 60s, I was born in the upper Midwest. As you all know my story, if you've listened before, you know that I joined the Navy because I felt that the country that gave me the most religious freedom possible on the planet was this country, and I needed to give back. And after 9-11, I realized that the best way to do that, having served as a doc in the Navy, the best way to do that now would be to reform, to work against jihad as an ideology, and to work downstream of the violent jihadists when they first start off as nonviolent, anti-Western, anti-freedom, anti-liberalism pro-theocracy, pro-Sharia supremacism. So many of us who have families from the Middle East speak Arabic fluently and understand the culture, realize and understand that in the Middle East there's political entities, some of them are religious parties, that have as a platform the institution of Islamic interpretations, their Islamic interpretations of law. They see the nation-state not as a secular identity, but rather as a religious identity in the Constitution as the Qur'an, and thus its legal implementation. So, those characteristics of Islamist organizations, they're well known. Muslims in the real Muslim world that's dominated and controlled by Islamists and Muslim-majority countries, know immediately who the Islamists are. They're partying, they're lobbying, they're, they are working in an open party like the Muslim Brotherhood, Jamaat Islamiyah, whatever it may be. But here in the West, they try to camouflage themselves, especially in America where there's no religious identification parties. And we have two secular parties. Yes, inspired often by religious ideas, but not religious parties like we see even in Europe where the Muslim Brotherhood has offices in London and uh, operates its uh, Ikhwan online website there. And you have Christian Democrats in Germany and elsewhere, but in the United States there isn't. So in the United States they operate under the radar. But yet many of us know who the Islamists are. And we realize that if you look at terrorism, it's a symptom 99.9% of Muslims that are terrorists do so inspired by Islamism. Most Islamists are not terrorists, but the vast, vast majority of terrorists that are Muslim are Islamists. 
Why? Because theocracy is a corrupt, inhuman, dehumanizing, collectivist ideology that ultimately believes that power by any price is necessary, that the ends justifies the means. This is why when Kerr was asked to condemn Hamas, they wouldn't. They're interviewed on multiple networks in which you see them dodge the answer. Nihad Awad would not answer whether Hezbollah is a terrorist organization. And it's not just Kerr that dodges the answer. MPEC, the Muslim Public Affairs Council, dodges the answer. As we see Salam Mariati dodge it. Siraj Wahaj dodges the answer. Some of it is pandering to their base, which includes many who have sympathy for these terrorist groups and they don't want to offend them. But otherwise, it's also a sharing of the spirit by which they do it. They may disagree with the means, but they're not going to condemn them because they actually have a deep corruption that is part of the Islamist thought. That corruption is that they are ultimately more right. They have a moral equivalency against their Western, democratic, Christian, Jewish, faithful that die for their rights as American Muslims, British Muslims, French Muslims. And yet the Islamists feel that they're inferior to them. The Islamists are separatists. They're a nation within a nation, as we discussed last week in France. And the care guys are basically the pit bulls that will use lawfare in order to put Americans on the defense. So on this primer on care, I want to explain to you that there's three major elements to the method by which care spends its bandwidth. So number one is that it wants to soak up the bandwidth of conversation about Muslims and Islam in the West to the point that there's so much fixation on rights and victimization and, and civil liberties that it, it obliterates and marginalizes every other conversation. So thus they become the dominant. They realize that because Muslims are a minority and because Americans have a penchant to feel guilty and feel responsible, that that penchant can be exploited can be exploited so that the oxygen in the room is used, especially by the left, their partners in the red-green axis. That penchant can be used to dominate the conversation. So Sports Illustrated are about the burkini. So uh, civil rights conversation from the DOJ are about not offending Muslims so that the ground zero mosque discussion is, is about the rights to build a mosque, not about whether it's right to do so or not. All of these conversations are part of what care drives. They are the head of the spear of a distraction operation, of a bandwidth operation. So one is a domestic monopolization of the Muslim voice in America. Number two, part of that domestic conversation is to put Americans on the defense. As long as Americans are on the defense, the Islamist movements of the Ikhwan and Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt, of Qatar's influence through Al Jazeera, of its ideas being spread to 60 to 100 million Arabs a day that watch. All of those things are ignored. There's no counterbalance to it because Muslims, because America is so much on the defense, absorbed in isolationist ideas, and whether or not there are bigots against Muslims 
or Islamophobes, another word that is part of their strategy, that it doesn't pay attention to the influence globally that Erdogan is rising in Turkey as the Islamist caliph of a future resurgence of a neo-Ottoman empire and its cooperation with Qatar and Iran and other Islamists across the planet. And the, the, the influence of those governments is huge. Imagine if America paid the same attention to the Islamist movement globally that it did in the Cold War, to the influence of the Soviets globally as we connected Soviet communism to our own domestic threat of the Communist Party. Yes, there were extremes in that response that were McCarthyist, as we saw with McCarthy. But there was a connection that most Americans did not need Needed some years until they got educated. Once they got educated, they made that connection because it was true. Similar pool, similar trough from which they're drinking from. With Islamists, CARE's operation is to turn America inward on the defense. So one is soaking up bandwidth. Two is putting Americans on the defense. Now let's look at foreign policy. Foreign policy, there can be the pre-2011 conversation about Islamists and foreign policy, and there can be the post-2011. That 2011 was the Arab awakening. Pre-2011, before there were revolutions, the Islamists were being fed by the Wahhabis, the Saudi princes of bin Talal Walid and his center of Muslim-Christian understanding in Georgetown and, and all of the other interfaith centers that the Saudis started and helped build mosques across Sweden and Finland and all across into the West to the tune of $100 billion, as former CIA director Jim Woolsey has spoken about frequently, that the operation of the Islamist Salafist cooperation of spreading fundamentalist Islamism across the planet was probably the single greatest threat to our security in the last 50 to 70 years. Now, post-2011, a battle ensued internally as those societies became less relevant what was being influenced from the West and more internally driven to topple their truly evil dictators. And again, per usual, the only institutions that survived were the Islamists. And again, the continued survival of dictators for many of them. Tunisia is the silver lining we're seeing an emergence of a somewhat functional democracy. We're still seeing some reverberations of revolutions in Algeria, Sudan, and elsewhere. But bottom line is, is that the Islamists in the West want to influence foreign policy. By influence foreign policy, they influence it to allow their friends, their, their fellow Islamists to rise to power. So the populists of the Islamic quote-unquote so-called democracy movements across the Middle East were working hand-in-hand with care, and thus we saw the Al Jazeera's of the world being the megaphone for care, bringing it into the homes of Muslims in the West, Muslims in Europe and the United States, and also then empowering care to take the mantra of the OIC, the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, 56 countries that are many of whom a voting block at the UN. That mantra then came to the US where they started to over and over hammer down the term Islamophobe. 
anyone who criticized Muslim organization was an Islamophobe. As if Islam had rights. As if saying somebody was afraid of an idea was equivalent to saying that they hated Muslims. And no, there is no similarity and very, very little overlap between talking about Judeophobia and anti-Semitism. So yes, there is some bigotry that exists against Muslims, but the term Islamophobia is an intentional invocation of a suppression of criticism of Islam. And that's CARE's role in the West, is an intentional imposition of fear in the hearts of those who would question basic tenets of Islam. And thus, they can use it as a bludgeon against anyone who speaks out from minor league baseball owners to think tanks, to other Muslims, as you know, I've talked about myself being listed on CARE's libelous website, Islamophobia.org. Their fabrications about my work, they, they misquote me, they splice and cut quotes, and as the SPLC showed, it used some of CARE's information, if not some of its allies working for them, to label Majid Nawaz as an Islamophobe and an anti-Muslim bigot. And once he got a lawyer, they settled for $3.5 million and shut down the entire report. Too bad CARE can't be held to the same accountability. Someday I'm sure it will. Sure it will. So so ultimately the point here is that globally the Islamists are waiting for the dictators to fall just like any human being should be but the Islamists are waiting to be another tyrant even worse to take over as we saw with the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. And they will kill others because they believe that an Islamic state will be supreme. And we saw that with the most militant of the form being in ISIS, and even of the less militant being in Nahda in Tunisia. Luckily in Tunisia, Nahda lost a second re-election in December 2014. But domestically care is working hand-in-hand with groups like the Council on Organization of Muslims uh, in Chicago that... Uh, works to unite Muslims across for a lobbying group. Those are, those are all Islamists. CARE has the mantle of civil rights attacks, and it is the pit bull, it is the attack dog of Islamist groups, and thus it runs cover for groups like the Assembly of Muslim Jurists of America, a large Sharia shop with hundreds of, of clerics in it that ultimately put fetwas against translation, against Muslims working with the American government, Muslims being part of American society, they feed separatism. So care, when you when you critique them of their silence, they say, well, they have nothing to do with those organizations. So these networks of organizations serve to complement one another. And care is likely the one that's most at the nexus. And if you look at its history, 2008, Senator Kyle here from Arizona asked the FBI, please put in writing why it is or what should be the relationship with the government and CARE. And the assistant director came back and said, you know what, there should be no relationship. They are not a 
appropriate partner in any work because they cannot even condemn Hamas, among many other things. As we've seen, they are an unindicted co-conspirator, meaning that they had connections that were not indictable. However, were very concerning to many of the Holy Land Foundation criminals that are now serving time for providing funding to Hamas, a terrorist organization. So, even by the standards of the U.S. government, and then there have been legislation posed from Frank Wolf and others at the time over the last 10 years, calling upon the government to hold accountable other branches of the government for not listening to that communication from the FBI, including, I think, Oklahoma and other states that ignored the FBI directive and continued to do business with CARE because they assumed ignorance from the rest of the population and never thought somebody would follow through. And some of that continued. And this is the problem I have when groups as radical, you know, in our own city here in Arizona, in Phoenix, in 2006, the founder of CARE Arizona was also in the Human Rights Commission of Phoenix. And when he sat on that Human Rights Commission, he was also the editor-in-chief of two newspapers. One's an English-language Muslim voice, which was pretty radical. But even more radical was the Arabic version of, the, of that called the Arab voice. And that Arabic version had, we started to translate it. And within three translations of three monthly newspapers, the mayor got wind of it. The newspapers got wind of it, and he was summarily removed from his volunteer position on the Phoenix Human Relations Commission. Never precedented, never happened before or since that time. Why? He was writing in Arabic that American soldiers were raping and pillaging cities and women and men and, I'm sorry, women and children. They compared American troops in Iraq to the Mongols. Offensive, offensive anti-American Radical, radical drivel. Fast forward eight years later, one of the CARE supporters, the Sharia experts in CARE Arizona, then took to the mimbar, the pulpit at the mosque in Scottsdale where we attend, and started to attack me and say there's a doctor in town who appears on Fox who's an anti-Muslim, Islamophobe, Never used my name, but everybody in this in the mosque on this Ramadan prayer at the end and the holiday of Eid al-Fitr knew he was talking about me. In fact, we have screenshots of WhatsApp messages congratulating him. And we posted all of that and posted a transcription to his sermon. And then he feigned that first he said he wasn't talking about me. Then he said that it's free speech. And then he said that this is because of my position on Hamas. And again, you see the connection of care and its anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism. It's radicalism. This was a prominent attorney in town who has since left that firm, by the way. So I use that local example because in Connecticut, the same thing should happen. I would tell you because of the public confrontations I've had with CARE while the media still uses them even though we constantly beg them not to I think if politicians or prominent leaders refuse to I don't think people would say much because they realize that they're not exactly 
benign, simply religious folk. Their founders have said that their goal is, as the Investigative Project on Terrorism said, it's been quoted in a newspaper back in 1993 in Minneapolis, that their goal is to make America into an Islamic state. Now they deny that. They say it was just sort of misquoted or whatever. Bottom line is that was quoted. They're Islamists. Any way you look at it. They had an executive director in San Diego that that fired an employee because she wanted to have the flag of the United States flown. And they said, the ED there said it made him puke and she's now filed a lawsuit against them. It's public information. Look it up. Just Google flag San Diego and CARE and see what comes up. CARE San Francisco, Zahra Baloo, has said that she gets viscerally ill on Memorial Day because she does not think that those victims of war should be honored because they were killing Muslims. This is an American citizen telling the rest of her country that she's repulsed by our Memorial Day. And these are mainstream Muslims that should be respected? I'm sorry. The list goes on. The number of Muslims that used to work for CARE that now are serving time for terror, from Randall Royer to uh, um, a, a number of individuals that reports from the investigative report on terrorism, lists for you their connections to terrorism. But at the end of the day, this primer on care, it's important that you understand what they are. They're about tribalism. They're about deplatforming other Muslims. So I talked to you about domestic approaches, their foreign approaches, and last is their existential ideological threat. The biggest threat to their existence are other Muslims that would deplatform them or make them into what they are, which is tyrannical. Theocrats who don't tolerate diversity of opinion. Their mantra of diversity is about racial diversity, ethnic diversity. So radical Islamists from Pakistan, Egypt, Europe, United States, Canada, that's diversity to them, ethnic diversity. But ideological diversity, none. The mosques they work with are the ones that separate men and women. The leaders they work with ask many of the previous women that have worked as leaders with them, and see how long they've lasted. And the ones that have lasted long are the ones that accept subservient positions, not equal positions. You won't find them associating with any of the values of our Muslim reform movement. So the existential threat, the reason they take, and this is so important to understanding how CARE operates, they use terms like Islamophobe and demonize Muslims that criticize them because their entire mantra is about controlling the platform of American Muslim representation. So hats off to leaders like Chairman Prentice at CSP and others that take a stand and say, you know, the Muslim community can do better. I will not accept separatists, Islamists, that have ideologies incompatible with the U.S. Constitution. It's not about politics. It's not about conservative versus liberal. It's about 
an ideological theocratic opinion that is incompatible with Western democracy, let alone our U.S. Constitution and Bill of Rights. No business leader, let alone chairman of a think tank, should be forced to meet with a segment of a community that has demonstrated itself to be a magnet for folks that have a conveyor belt towards radical groups, towards funding Hamas supporters, towards inability to condemn terror groups, towards a hate for America, hate for Memorial Day, hate for our military, towards radicalism and radicalization of our community. That is just a bigotry of low expectations if you say that that's going to be the Muslims you meet with. So they can demand from here to the end of day to meet with American leaders and say that they want to be it. But to see and hear these Democrats that I opened up this podcast with you today, to hear them say that that they're going to demand a meeting or or, or speak out against the 10-year contract with the Connecticut Tigers, that's absurd. It's un-American. America can do better. Our founding fathers were against theocracy. Care is pro-theocracy. If you know anything about care, if you know anything about American Muslims, they do not represent the majority, let alone a minority. Even a Pew study, Pew Abu Dhabi or, or, or a Gallup study, I don't remember who did the study, but look it up in 2008 or nine. 12% of American Muslims even recognized care and felt comfortable saying that maybe they represented them. 88% did not. 88% are non-affiliated. Yes, they're not represented. Yes, there are no Muslim groups to say, oh, but no, we represent them. No, there aren't any. But we've also not had the track record, the long-term funding, the Saudi dollars, the Qatari dollars, the the in-kind donation of media, global media that has influenced them domestically. But any media, any businesses, any politically correct apologists that continue to give oxygen to Islamist groups as being the representative of Muslims is doing us a disservice and refusing to accept that Muslims can do better. So hats off to leaders like Mr. Prentice that says, you know what? Muslims can do better. I'm not going to meet with this, these theocrats, these radical jihadists who might be nonviolent, but they are downstream or upstream, if you will, of a lot of militant groups. They're radicalizing in their separatism. It's not a coincidence that the San Bernardino ISIS adherents were getting radicalized online by Diobandi websites, but also CARE seemed to be ready to represent the family of those two within two hours after the act happened. This is not to say they were responsible for the terror act, but they're swimming in the same pools in which the families of terrorists know to reach out to CARE. I guarantee you none of the reform movement leaders got a phone call from the family of the San Bernardino killers. Weeks later, let alone two hours after the incidents, to be seen on television with the father or mother of, of these terrorists with CARE standing next to them saying they knew nothing about it and uh, they, they condemn it. Well, I'm sure they do. 
So, after now you and I have been talking about this a little over half an hour, consider yourself educated about the problems of the Council on American Islamic Relations. You want to look at all the individuals that have been connected to actual terrorism that used to be care members? Remember I mentioned Siraj Wahaj. I've talked to you about his son and his grandkids and his son's cells of terror camps that were in New Mexico. Siraj Wahaj is not only talked about in my book by talking about the fact that he wants to bring the Quran as the Constitution in Islam as the Islamic State in the United States. He then said, oh, he helped the FBI find his son and grandson. Well, maybe he did, but boy, is he radical. Look up at IPT, the connections. Talk to media. Talk to your members of Congress about stopping the platforming. Muslim groups can do better. We don't have to be subjected to forcible leadership by theocrats, by the most radicals. I looked at the top of the Huffington Post this week. I happened to glance at that on Thursday. And there's a picture of the Burkini and a long piece about how persecuted Muslim women are that try to swim because they get jeered and and, and yelled at and, and, and ridiculed because they're wearing a bodysuit. First of all, I don't even believe that, that it happens occasionally, I'm sure. But you see tons of people now wearing body swimming suits, wearing swimming shirts, etc. But bottom line, is that the American Muslim agenda? Now, it's not even in the top 100 concerns we have being ridiculed on a beach if women wear a burkini. And then they got it listed at the Sports Illustrated as being a, 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 a thing of courage that a model wore that. So much to talk about. I hope this primer was helpful. Reference it. Muslim voices speaking against the pit bulls, the radicals of our community that divert attention from the real problems, be it women's rights, modern thinking, critical thinking in our community, empowering youth to be part of American culture, to reject anti-Semitism, to reject the separatism. Are they doing any of that? They're not. They're soaking up the bandwidth with their nonsense. It should stop here. Spread the word that the Council on American-Islamic Relations does not represent Muslims, that their days are numbered, they will wither on the vine as we give oxygen to groups that believe in Americanism, that believe in American patriotism, that believe in Western values and the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and seek to help globally in the ascension of liberal democracies and not theocracies. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This. God bless. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.